Hi, Timmy Whispers here from Gimme the Hot Sauce Podcast. The two-way V4 features groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam, creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Fuel cell gives you the ultimate energy return, ensuring every step feels explosive and dynamic. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort for the entire game. The upper construction features a lightweight textile that reduces weight while remaining supportive and breathable. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, three-year, 30,000-mile complimentary maintenance, and America's best warranty ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Complimentary maintenance included Hyundai approved oil and oil filter change, except for electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles, plus tire rotation, normal factory schedule maintenance intervals for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. More frequent maintenance due to severe driving conditions or conditions is excluded. Offer valid only for new 2020 or 2024 Hyundai models purchased or leased on or after February 1st, 2020. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Only two and a half weeks left in the NBA regular season, and things are getting very interesting in both conferences. Welcome into a brand new episode of the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. I'm Mark Shanowski alongside Stacey King and Timmy Whispers. Whispers, what's up? I saw you had the, your door closed. You got high-level meetings going on? Lawyers always call you at the worst time. Lawyers? You, what, you want to share with the with the group what you got going on? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I'm, lawyers are involved. I'm held by a confidentiality agreement. <laughs> oh, my God. Stacey got back from Philadelphia. It was a productive trip, a short one, but the Bulls winning in double overtime. The first time they have beaten a Philadelphia 76ers team with Joel Embiid on the court, which is pretty remarkable when you consider how long he's been in the league. Ding dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> the streak is over. America. There was, I think there was, he was 12-0 and 0 against 12 the Bulls. 0, yeah. I think we hadn't beat Philadelphia with him in like six years yeah. or something. The streak is over. You know, okay, listen. I know this team is up and down. We get frustrated with this team. But this team did a lot of firsts this year. They ended a lot of streaks. Yeah. The Milwaukee streak, you know, Miami. I mean, they've they beaten some teams they're not supposed to be winning in Denver. They beat Boston when they had a long yeah, winning streak Yes, going. exactly. So it, it shouldn't really surprise you that sooner or later that streak was going to end. Yeah. I mean, Embiid is such a dominant force. Um, you know, they have no – I don't think they have a good backup for him because he has to play a lot of minutes. And I, I said this last night in the game that I feel like with him, he needs 15 minutes rest at some point. You know, when you had Drummond there, you were able to rest him 20, 25 minutes and then put him out there and close games for you. But – um. And then the way he plays, he plays really reckless for a big guy. Like I, I said last night, he could never be a stunt man because he doesn't know how to fall. That's right. <laughs> Seriously. You, yeah, you ever yeah. seen him fall? Right. Like he falls, falls like it's almost like, you know, if you were running full speed 
and you had no arms and no legs, and you just jumped, and you just fell face right on your face. <laughs> That's what he falls. I mean, when he fouled Kobe White, it should have been offensive foul. He launched his body into Kobe. I was afraid he killed Kobe. Oh, oh my God! I tell you. Kobe, you could, you could tell a person's hurt when they're yeah. limping with both feet, both legs are limping. <laughs> you know, one, you know, normally it's one side, yeah. the left side is hurting, but he had the left side, the right side, his arm, his shoulder, and he, I mean, he, he was he was walking back, you know, like this, and you really felt bad for him. I because, know he's lucky to survive that because when you saw the video. You saw Embiid just launch himself into it. Most guys try to get contact but avoid it at the same time, you know, yeah. because he's 280 pounds. He's probably more than that. But he's 280 pounds. He's very agile. And, you know, most guys Euro step to try to avoid yeah. that and get a little ticky-tack foul. It's almost like he's trying to get hurt. Like he's trying to go on the injury reserve list at the end of the season. I don't, I don't understand why you're trying to stay healthy at the end of the season. America, you're not trying to go on the injury reserve at the end of the season. Yeah. We well, had 37 and 16 and there's no team in the NBA that can guard him. I mean, he's got all the moves. Him and Giannis. Yeah. They're unguardable. I mean, they can get to the foul line anytime they want. But the problem with him is he, Giannis is always on the attack. Giannis never lets you take a break. He's coming right at you every single time. He is in your face. He's in your grill. He's in your chest. This guy kind of takes plays off. You know, I heard George Carl uh, kind of called him out yeah. in the MVP race saying that, you know, his, you know, his body language and, you know, he takes plays off. He doesn't play hard all the time. It, it, you kind of see that a little bit. You know, he's an all-star caliper. He's, he's a most, probably could be the most dominant big in the game right now. But when you watch him, he settles for a lot of jump shots. Even though he's highly skilled, he settles for a lot of jumpers. Um, you know, he, he took some threes last night. He hit him. You know, he hit some outside jump shots. But a guy that big should be like Shaq in there, like dominant. Like, I'm going to get 40 on. I don't care who's guarding me. I'm going inside. I'm getting 40 on you tonight. And he fouled out in the second overtime. And then you and Adam mentioned it on the broadcast. It was almost like, I'm tired. I've had enough. Get me yeah. out of here. Yeah. Hey, how much time? <laughs> how much time? We got? How much time you say we got, coach? We got another five minutes. I got how many fouls? Five, I don't care, five, I don't care, five, five. I'm going to foul on purpose. And that was the difference in the game because once he's off the court, Zach's able to drive down the lane, DeMar's able to get to his sweet spots and shoot his jumpers, and, and the Bulls took control in that second Oh, uh, It was kind of like Rudy Gobert when he fouled out yeah. the other night with Minnesota. Once he got out of the game, that opened up so many more driving lanes, and it was the same thing with Embiid. Once he went out, not only does he – not only, he's a good rim protector. I'm going to give Joel Embiid his his flowers. That, that dude is could be he's, – he's a really good player. He plays hard. I mean, he plays hard on defense and rebounds to basketball. But when he went out, there was no rim protection. And what did you see? Immediately, DeMar DeRozan drive the ball straight on Tobias yeah. Harris, right to the rim. As soon as that sixth foul went through, you saw Zach get to the basket. I'll give Zach credit. Zach was attacking Embiid he when was, he was in there. Yeah. I mean, he was going right at him. Uh, he got a couple shots blocked, but he, they went at him. And I was really proud of the way they played when he was in the game. I thought you were going to lose your mind when he got the ball stolen from behind. Oh, <laughs> oh. that was listen, man. Come on, come on, man. Listen, I love Zach. Zach, I love Zach. Zach is an all-star caliber player, and we wouldn't be in this position right now if Zach wasn't playing the way he's playing in the second half here. But man, come on, Zach. You, you act like you were playing a pickup game, right. like you were calling your own fouls. Like you, yeah, I got him in the backcourt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> foul. And he's just sitting there dribbling the ball. Okay, let's take it out. And the guy comes behind and knocks. Yeah. Ball. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, like, D'Anthony Melton. He, he hit the ground yes. and he came behind him and tapped it away. He, now, 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 to Zach's to his defense, he got fouled by Melton in the backcourt, yeah, but did. they did not call it. Once you heard there was no whistle, Go you got to keep playing. Yeah. 
And now he had a layup. He had numbers, he, yeah. He had numbers. He could have went right to the rim and dunked the ball. Yeah. But then he was like looking at the referee. Are you not going to call that? Like, <laughs> hey, you know, strolling on a Sunday afternoon. He's just like, you know, all of a sudden the dude comes and knocks the ball out. He's like, oh my goodness, come on, man. And the same thing with DeMar. At the end of the, end of the regulation, had a chance to win it seven yeah, seconds Yeah, tried to get cute on the dribble, yeah. And dribble the ball out of bounds. And you're yeah. sitting there saying, no, not again. Because that's the first thing that you think of, you yeah. know, when you're, with, when you're with this team. Because there's been so many, you know, peaks and valleys with this team all year long and you know opportunities for them to win and then they find some way to lose you know and so it was kind of like that last night it's like okay regulation we got a chance to close it out we got the last shot we went and got the rebound did good defense on one end now it's time to close the game out we got our best closer seven seconds Debo's gonna do it for us and then drill the ball out of bounds and like oh yeah that was frustrating that turns the ball around hey give them credit they were able to hang in there two double overtime wins in their last three they've got a three game winning streak going and should be four yeah we should have beat Sacramento yeah, we, 16, we were up 16 yeah. points on Sacramento and and we found a way to lose that's that's the one thing that really like really scares you about this team is like they make a 16-point game look easy and at the same time look like the worst thing that can happen to a team. It's like, you know, you see it, say, oh, they're killing. They're up 27 on, on Miami. Miami cuts it to single digits. And it's like they find they find some ways to to let the team back into the game and they stop playing. You know, they stop, stop playing, stop executing. Uh, you can say, oh, the other team made shots. Nah, nah. No, you're not defending. You're not you're not scrappy. Last night they were scrappy. Last night they were taking charges. I mean, you know, they were getting after guys. They were contesting shots. You know, James Harden, the job they did on James Harden, I thought was the key to the game. I thought, you know, putting Derrick Jones Jr. on him and to to kind of use his length and size against him really caused him problems. They made him go to his left, got him out of the playmaking, you know, part of the game. And, you know, he struggled. You guys almost got caught in the postgame interview with Derrick Jones Jr. You hear about this? What's that? They were supposed to go to studio, uh, you know, for the start of the postgame show. And then you guys do the interview on tape and yep. they play they play it back. Well, they just were, they still had you guys hot when you were talking to them, welcoming them in and stuff. You guys didn't say anything. It was fine. No, yeah, we're but, pros, Mark. Yeah, I know. We're pros. But that, that's, that's, that's the lesson for all you young broadcasters out there. Anytime you got a microphone in front of you, don't assume you know, that you're not being heard. Let me tell you something, America. That's not our role. That's not our responsibility. Right. That's the people in the truck. And I'm putting it out there. I'm throwing everybody on the truck. <laughs> everybody who's on the truck. Anybody who has a hot mic, that's the people behind the scenes. That's their fault. Right. That has nothing to do with the, the now. What? Now granted, now granted, we shouldn't, you know, we we gotta be careful what we say. But if we're supposed to be off, we're supposed to be off. The mic's supposed to be closed, and I'm me and Adam's the only one should be talking. I, I'm aware of this because I, I stay cognizant of this because yeah. I've seen it happen so yeah. many times. So you have to be careful what you say because you never know where it's going to be, you know, where it's going to and who heard it. But to your point, you know, that's, uh, that's, un that's really bad because you can get some people in trouble like that when you, and that, that belongs on the truck. So I'm not calling out all my people in individually, but you know who you are. <laughs> I think, I think it was actually a mistake made in the control room because they were supposed to go to the studio and they kept, they well, kept that hot. Well, whoever, yeah. whoever made it, thank whoever you, nothing did, happened. Whoever did, you didn't, hey, it was a, you try to get me, baby. You try to give me an Adam. We start bombing in there's five a, minutes. Hey, there's, a, there's a reason why me and Adam is one of the best in the game, babe. We keep our thoughts to ourselves and we don't let everybody know what's going on. Hey, it's kind of ironic out? that he played the John Walsh drop. The what? Oh, yeah, the what? John Walsh, of course, Who your longtime producer. The what? Oh, you did that? Yeah. Let's hear it again. Let me hear it again. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know what? But for America, you don't know what that is. That is a classic line there. Uh, that was from the late great Jim Boylan coach for the Bulls, who uh, <laughs> who said the late Jim Boylan. Well, I mean, not he's still alive. He's still folks. alive, America. Yeah. I'm just saying the late great from the Bulls yes, coaching yes, tree. Okay. Yeah, he's he's yeah. in his Bulls. Bulls. He's, he's, gone. In, he's in the Bulls cemetery. <laughs> but he right he next made, to Tim Floyd. Yeah, next to Tim Floyd. Stan Albeck. I mean, come on now. Um, Red Oyberg. Red Oyberg. Oh yeah. Lord, leave Fred alone, man. He's not here to defend himself. Um, but that was from a, that was from a, a, a quote from a basketball game when, when Jim Boylan was a coach when he said that uh, Luke Cornett reminded him of Robert Ory, <laughs> and he said, you know, he has the same kind of you know game changing ability Robert Ory has. He can shoot the three. He plays great defense. Yeah. And when he said that. I wasn't really paying attention. We had the great uh, Layla Rahimi. She was the sideline reporter. Yeah. And so she, she she gave she posed a question to me and Neil. Guys, you know, I interviewed um, Jim Boylan. He said that, you know, Luke Cornett reminded him <laughs> of Robert Ory. And he said with his playmaking ability, his defense. And I, that's when I said, what? <laughs> and then I started laughing. I was like, because I thought it was like the most silliest thing I've ever heard in my yeah. life. You're comparing a guy who was just in the G League and brought up. Yeah. To a guy who's won seven five, champi- seven rings, seven seven rings. Yeah. and I was just like, "Are you serious? <laughs> like, who 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 okayed this quote? Who okayed this little hot take?" I'm like, "Oh yeah. my god!" So old JB didn't like it. He didn't like it. Uh, unfortunately, he couldn't make me, you know, right. hit the punch punch the clock, or he couldn't make me do any push ups. Yeah, that's right. Okay? Right. So yeah, so he was a little salty about, a little salty. But hey, hey how about the uh, Franklin Edwards? I don't think anybody knows Franklin Edwards, Tim, but us. Well, there's, there's some old guys out there. <laughs> hey, listen, for all you old guys, you know, last night was really cool because uh, the Sixers honored the 1983 yeah. World Championship yeah. team with Dr. Mo J. Moses Malone. Yeah. So you had Moses Malone, the late, great Moses Malone, who, who passed away. Uh, his sons were there. You had Bobby Jones. You had uh, Mark Averoni. I mean, they brought back that whole team, Clint Richardson. Uh, and then Mo Cheeks. You know, Mo Cheeks came, you know, he had his suit on. He was the only coach with a suit yeah. on yesterday. And it was great seeing all those guys. And then Dr. J came out. Out there, man, he came out there in his his little pimp Willie hat on. He was Dr. J still got class though. Yeah, he's cool. I don't care what nobody yeah. says. He's cool, man. He came out with a little fedora on. He he had a little stroll, <laughs> and um, you know they start talking about you know thanking Philadelphia for all the things they did for them, and um, you know and it's amazing that team only won one championship because they had a stacked squad, and you know you had you know there's there's four Hall of Famers on that team. And they only won one championship. So they made a comment to the Sixers. And I think that jinxed the Sixers last night. <laughs> Dr. J says, hey, you know, it's about time for this team to win a championship or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's time for them to step up and win a championship for the city of Philadelphia. And uh, they lost. <laughs> so shout out to Joel B, the troll. You know, uh, you know, he's always got some comments about how, you know, how he dominates certain teams. And so they, you know, you know, he, he has a right to say that when you beat, you know, when yeah. team man beats you in six years, you can talk trash, but no more. Ding dong. Which is dead. Baby. And the rematch coming up at the United Center oh, no, on Wednesday. Again. So this we'll see what rematch. they can make it two in a row over Joel Embiid and the 76ers. You know, who's going to be in the crowd. I bet our good buddy, Jeff Vukovic yes, will be will. there when it comes to insurance for your auto home and business. Make sure you contact the king of insurance. It's our friend nationwide agent Jeff Vukovic, one of the most loyal supporters of all of Chicago's professional sports teams. You can reach Jeff at jeffvuk.com. That's jeffvuk.com. And he's got the best jingle in the business, sung by my man Stacy. Nationwide. <laughs>
and you need to get the tambourines from out. We get the tambourines from out, out, okay? I'm tired of doing. I told you about getting the tambourines. Is by your side. We need the tambourines. <laughs> Got to get the accompaniment hey, going. Hey, Tito. Tito. Next, Tito. next week we'll have the Tito Jackson. I don't know. It started, it started to sound like some videos I watched in the '80s. Oh no! Oh my God! So is that shirt? The shirt you're wearing is from the '80s too. Oh my God! No, seriously, I want the tambourines and I want the little, the little thing. We hit the little wood thing. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? I need that. I need that. That's what we're doing from here on out. We're gonna make this a production. Okay, I'm tired of using my golden pipes to do everything. I need some help back here, Sriracha crew. You, I gave you guys a chance. Anyway, I need some. Uh, I need some more instruments. Okay, we're gonna go, we're going live with this. We're going live with this next time. We're going live with the next show. I have a tambourine, and we're gonna have the little wood thing that goes. Okay, and then I'll. I'll you guys have tambourines and maracas at home, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. That's. Oh wow. Wow. See, look. I say, look. I thought. I thought the same thing, D. Wow. wow really? <laughs> Why would they have that, Tim? I don't know. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> wow. That's all right, Mark. Get us back on the track. Get us back on the track. Give you a drink of water. Wow. I tell you. Oh my God. Oh, get some more water. What else you got? Angel. Good buddy, Angel. We are good buddy, Angel. Andy with Angel Water. Angel's Angel Water. Trying to get some free advertisement, but we're not doing. Hey, Angel, don't be afraid to send that check, buddy. Chief of Lakes. I know you're mad at us, baby. Don't be afraid to send us that check, baby. We're gonna start taking off labels. We've been known to do it. We've been known to do it, baby. We'll put King's Water. There, based on anything. Put, put King's water, <laughs> King water on there, baby. Come on now. Hey, the Bulls are Bulls are eight and four since Patrick Beverly arrived. And I don't think it's a coincidence because he's out there, very vocal leader. He's going to call guys out if they're not where they're supposed to be, and he is feisty. He took a couple of silly fouls late in that game, but you never want to fault his effort because he's really brought the whole team with him. He has been tremendous for this team. Yeah. You know, I mean, eight and four, you know, you can sit there and say eight and four, you know, uh, the Bulls are, the Bulls are good enough. They should, even, they should have probably won 12, maybe 12 and 0, but he's brought a toughness. He's brought accountability. Um, he's brought uh will to win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Patrick is not the same player he was five years ago defensively, but he gets out there. The one thing about him, he competes every night. He gets, I mean, I, I, I said last night he took, you know, cause he's been hitting the three ball. And uh, last night there was a, there was a play in the game where it was like a one possession game. They swung it, swung it. And I thought he was going to swing it one more time to Zach in the corner and he just shot it. And I was like, boy, he doesn't lack confidence. <laughs> no, he does not <laughs> yeah, lack he confidence. He doesn't lack confidence. Cause you know, I mean, but he, he feels that he shoots 37% for his career. He feels he can make those shots. And so, you know, he's been shooting it well. And he has him, Caruso, Io have to make shots because when those guys are on the floor, you can see that defenses have no respect for them. Like they those guys, whoever's guarding those guys are running off doubling the ball, running off, you know, you know, basically cloud, you know, crowding the lane where there's no driving angles. If those guys start making some shots and Patrick's knocking his down, Io's got to make his shots, you know, Crusoe's got to make some shots and not be afraid to shoot them. If you're open, you got to pull the trigger. You can't wait and should I shoot it? I don't know because when you start having that indecision, that's when you miss them. Yeah, and Billy Donovan it really is giving him a long leash. He's playing more minutes than he has in recent years, and Billy wants him on the court in crunch time, which a lot of a lot of te- when he's playing with the Lakers, when he's playing with Minnesota, a lot of times he would not play down the stretch because he was a, not a great offensive player. Well, and I mean that's the reputation you get when you come in this league as a defensive player, and that's all people they they put you in that box. That's all he can do. He's not a scorer. He's not a ball handler. I, I he's a point guard. 
I've been really pleasantly surprised with the way he runs the offense, how he can bring the ball up the floor. He reads defenses. You know, he knows how to get boost the ball. Uh, he can break people down off the dribble and then be able to create, create. Um, I think a lot of teams just basically said, we don't need you to do all these other things. We just need you to play defense and, and be an irritant on the defensive end. So I think now people are seeing that he has a pretty well-rounded game. How about Derek Jones Jr. yesterday? Woo! He played a huge role, had the key block on James Harden late. Hey, listen, like, like, like he said yesterday, you know, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Yeah. I said that in the, I said that in, in <laughs> no, the game 454. too. Yeah, he didn't need no flex off 454. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. To his credit and to Javante Green's credit, you know, these guys could go two weeks without playing, without getting in the lineup. DMP CDs, you know, for two weeks straight. And then one day, they need an infusion of defense. They need an infusion of energy. They put those guys in and they cause havoc. And you're sitting there, why isn't this guy playing more? You know, um, I thought yesterday, you know, having him on James Harden and stretching the game really frustrated James Harden. He really because, did, yeah. You know, because his length, he could back off of and still close out on a shot. He's quick enough to move his feet and stop dribble penetration for James because James has got that tricky dribble. He's got really nice handles and, you know, he's very deceptively quick, but he did a good job of staying in front of him. And I'm going to tell you right now, the, the one person that's extremely happy in Derrick Jones Jr. right now is Patrick Williams because Patrick Williams was guarding James Harden on that drive and he blew right by, right by Patrick Williams for the layup. That would have been a layup. Nine out of 10 times, that's a layup against this team. And, you saw Derrick Jones leave his man and go up and challenge that shot and blocked it and not only blocked the shot, but got the rebound. Right. Okay. He also in the third quarter <clears throat> hit a hit a, a, a shot expiring three point shot that helped the Bulls, you know, maintain the lead. So he did a lot of different things well out there. And and I tell you what, he's a good kid. You really I'm so glad they kept him because it was like between him and Troy Brown. And I know Troy Brown is playing well in uh in Los Angeles, but I'll take DJ all, yeah, all day long. Yeah, he was long. a key factor in that win over the Sixers. Did a great job on Harden, as Stacy mentioned. Another guy on the bench waiting his turn is the first-round draft pick out of Arizona, Dalen Terry. And he's been getting a chance to play a handful of games with the Windy City Bulls out in the Hoffman Estates. And he was outstanding on Sunday. Windy City had a big victory over the Maine Celtics, and Dalen Terry was a big reason for that. He had 25 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 steals. And he was guarding Denzel Valentine and Tony Snell, a couple of names from the past. Dalen Terry, that was his best offensive game I'm, I saw him Stacy he was aggressive minded he made some jumpers and you could see his confidence kind of build I think it's great that they're they're giving Dalen the opportunity to play full speed games at the G League level and kind of spread his wings a little bit see what he can do well listen I mean this is what the G League's for you know you got these guys there's not a lot of practice time at the at the main level so it's not doing these kids any good just sitting them on the bench, you know, working on individual stuff with, you know, individual coaches. They need game experience. They need reps. They need, he needs to be able to play some point guard. He needs to be able to get a team in their offense. He needs to be able to guard someone uh, coming off screens. And the only way you can do that is playing the G League. And he's young enough. He's a young player. It's his first year. And, you know, he needs to down there to get as many reps as possible. Um, you know, he's able to do that. And a lot of the Bulls' younger players are able to do that. Uh, the kid from Indiana, 
uh, that we just got in the uh, Terry Taylor. Yeah, he was great. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. That kid can play. Yeah. That kid can play. Uh, Bulls fans may not be, you know, used to him, have not seen him play. But in the end, he gave the Bulls fits when we played him, uh, I think, last year. He killed us. uh, Had 20-something points against us, and he was just dominant. And now he's down in the G League getting some minutes because there's not a lot of playing time at the main level. So these guys are down there playing, and they're getting a lot of experience. And they're also showing the Bulls that, hey, listen, man, all I need is a shot. Give me an opportunity, and you can see what happens. And Carleek Jones is nice. He's leading the yeah. G League in scoring, averaging about 26 points a game. And on Sunday, he just took a step back from his offense and played the facilitator. He's getting the ball to Dale and Terry, to Terry Taylor. Ethan Thompson, who's a nice shooter, and Windy City had one of their best wins of the year. If you're not following what's going on in the G League right now, they've got two games left in the regular season with a chance to make the playoffs. If they win tonight, we're taping in this show on Tuesday. If they win tonight and Thursday, they'll probably host a first-round playoff game. It's like you said, it's one and done. Yeah, it's one and done. But the the good thing about Carly Jones is, is that teams, NBA teams are seeing him, you know, they saw him score. They saw him as a scoring guard. Now you're seeing him in a different role because he's got scores around Mm -hmm. him. See, sometimes kids are forced to score because they don't have any guys that can put the ball in the basket. But now he's got some guys, NBA level guys that can come down there and score. And now he can become a point guard. He can be a facilitator. He can show teams that, look, I can run. I'm I'm more than a scoring guard. I can be a point guard in this league and get guys involved. So it's really good seeing him because I I do like him. And I think this kid is going to be someone like Spencer Dinwiddie was. You know, a lot of, you know, the Bulls may not have any room for him right now but someone will someone will see that that kid can come in and play you look at a kid like Javon Carter you know Javon Carter no one you know no one thought he was going to be in the NBA because he's all he does is defense well what what is what do teams need the most now they need somebody to go out there and guard people so now he's in the league he's a main contributor on a championship level team in Milwaukee and this could be the same thing with with with, you know with Carly Jones he could get on a team they say hey look this will be a guy that can run our second unit that knows how to play point guard and get everybody involved but also can score for us if you get a chance, uh, the last two regular season games of the Windy City Bulls will be televised on NBC Sports Chicago Tuesday tonight at seven o'clock. Will Purdue is going to join me for the broadcast, and then you Thursday, get out there, Bulls. They Nation. wrap up their regular. Get season. out there and go see a live game. Yeah. Go out there and see it. It's a lot of fun. Bring the kids. It's affordable, uh, and Mark will buy everybody who shows up. The first thousand people <laughs> that show up, he'll buy you popcorn. Okay, I, I'm lying. He ain't buying y'all no popcorn. You better bring your own money. But no, seriously, go out there and see some of this young town. It's a lot of fun, uh, especially people who can't, you know, can, may not be able to go see a Bulls game due to work or the, the how much a ticket costs, uh, you got an opportunity to go see the Windy City Bulls. Go check them out. It's a lot of fun. Those minor league games are really, really fun to watch. They're very competitive. Uh, every, you, you see some former NBA players. Um, you know, it's just it's just good. And you get to see your future. You get to see guys like, you know, Dalen Terry and, you know, uh, you know Carly Jones and uh, Marco Samanovic. I mean, yep. he's down there. I, I'm still waiting. You know, it's, he's like, where, where's Waldo? I'm still waiting to see if he can play or not. He had five fouls in the first half. On well, you know what? He got his money worth, Mike. Okay? <laughs> Mark, he got his money. Let me tell you something. When you, well, let me tell you something. He was Mark, Edward Scissorhands out. Listen, listen. Mark, Marco, I'm not mad at you. Okay? Yeah. You, you got those five fouls. That's right. You, Use them. You was probably mad at the coach for putting you in that situation asking you to play defense. I, I feel you, brother. Yeah, he and Den- him and Denzel went nose to nose in the first half. They were they like, were, ready to fight? Oh, yeah. Not fighting, but they, they, were, they were barking at each other pretty good. Listen, you know what? Let me say this. <laughs> <laughs> America, America, listen. I've been shooting some straight bullets lately on the broadcast. I just want to, I just want to, I, I just want to take this moment to, uh, you know, to say, uh, to, uh, to apologize 
Absolutely nobody. <laughs> I'm Stacey King. I can do what I want to do. Okay. So I got sent a straight shot, you know, because I, yeah. you know, I got the Denzel Valentine range thing now. Okay, that's the new thing now. So anybody who shoots a shot outside the range, right, right, that we call that the Denzel Valentine range. That's what we come yeah. up with. So, so last night somebody shot one. I think it was, um, I think it was um, the little point guard man, not man, uh, the kid from Kentucky. Um, Maxie? Maxie. Yeah. Maxie shot one from the hash mark. And then I said, oh, that's from Denzel, Denzel <laughs> Valentine range. And so so, and so Adam Adam can't hold the laugh here. He just starts, you know, Adam's got that giggle. He just starts giggling. So so I just want to say that out there, you know, I just, you know, I want to take this moment to apologize if I offended anybody or anything like that. No, I yeah. just want to apologize to absolutely nobody. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want to do. So I'll, when I see Denzel tonight, I'll tell him you send your regards, sir. Right? Tell him I said hello. Yeah. Denzel, Denzel. Say what's up. Yeah. Everybody thinks I got this thing on Denzel. Okay, if y'all remember that shot he took, we were only oh, down. Yeah, I yeah. think we were down five points. We were making a run, and he yeah. shot a Steph Curry, uh, Clay Thompson behind the hash mark. Right, not at the hash the mark or in front of it. Yeah. yeah, it was like logo <laughs> Valentine, but no, it didn't go in. And so, and we, we, and I think everybody caught our reaction because it was the bubble game. We were, we weren't at the game. Yeah. We were actually in the studio calling the game from Chicago. And then uh, Adam says, "Um, no, this is not the right time." And I was like, "Oh no, no, no." No, no, or something I said to the fact before he shot it and uh, he missed it. Yeah. And then we ended up losing to Atlanta. So uh, that, that's been like, that's been like some, like a little funny spot, but I, I love Denzel. Denzel, that's my guy. I, I, I'm messing with Denzel, but I, I like Denzel. I think Denzel, if he can get with the right team, yeah, he has to get with the right team for his place, his play skill. Uh, Bulls weren't the right team for him. I, I think he could have been, but I think the way like Jim Boylan tried to use him, no, it didn't work. And when he broke in as a rookie, he was on that team with the three alphas with uh, Jimmy oh. and Dwayne Wade and oh. Rondo. So he was not going to get any minutes there. So rematch with the Windy City Bulls and the main Celtics tonight should be interesting. Check it out if you can on NBC Sports Chicago. Hey, I want to tell you about our friends at Bigger's Mazda. They're sizzling. New <laughs> Elgin location at Randall Road is the biggest Mazda store in the state of Illinois. Bigger's is offering a bottle of Stacy's signature hot sauce with first test drives of new or pre-owned vehicles. Where else can you get a benefit like that? That. It's your choice. Everything from the coolest SUVs to the stunning Miata. So join the fun at 2100 Randall Road in Elgin at Biggers Mazda. Now that spring is here, everybody's thinking about getting a new car. Why not head over to Biggers and pick one out, right? Whispers. Yeah, put the top down on that Miata. Yeah. Get tell, out there. tell them Whisper sent you. That's I, right. It'll get you a funny look, if nothing else. <laughs> He's still escorted the out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you need to follow me, sir. Security? Security. No warranty. <laughs> yeah, well, you're good friends with Jim. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which, right. Can we get a little bit more energy in this conversation? Well, hey, you're wow. friends, with, you're we'll friends meet, with this guy. We'll meet uh, you over there. Yep. All right. Yep. So get on over sauce. there for a test drive and you get a sample of a bottle of Stacy's delicious hot sauce. We're going to be talking more about uh, the latest things going on with that later in the show. But coming up next, college basketball is on the docket. One of the greatest play-by-play guys in the business, Tim Brando from Fox Sports, is going to join us. So keep it right here. For the past 20 years, you've enjoyed the refreshing tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. So in celebration of this milestone, we're bringing Baja Blast in stores nationwide. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. 2024 is the year of Baja Blast. In stores now. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 18 plus. Subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com and 61524. Void where prohibited. 
Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It is March Madness, really the best time of the year to watch all the great basketball games going on, baseball getting ready to start its season, and one of the great voices of the sport of college basketball, Tim Brando, is joining us now. Tim, thank you so much for joining us from your home in Shreveport, Louisiana. People associate you with so many great calls over the years. I'm not going to try to ask you to pick out one memory or anything, but what's the whole March Madness atmosphere like when you're behind the mic with so many great games going on? Well, you know, it's funny, uh, and thanks for having me, guys. It really means a lot, Mike, Tim, Stacy, of course, who I called his games yep. when he was with, with Billy Tubbs and the boys, uh, and they were number one in the country. Uh, I will never forget um, getting to do Tubbs's games. He was such a character, uh, and we can go down that memory lane uh, at another point. But I've not done the NCAAs in 10 years. My last year to do it, was 2013. I just finished my ninth year with Fox. Wow. And yet, I, even when I'm getting booked on radio shows or webcasts similar to what we're doing here, the producer might hop on with me and say, hey, Tim, where are you this week? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not anywhere. I'm at home with Chateau Brando. Uh, because there are so many games on, I think people forget. And I guess maybe to some extent, uh, the announcers are – we. You know, uh, Stacy. people say all oh, you guys look alike. I guess all announcers sound alike. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I get this I get this all the time, and I'm like, you know, I really haven't done the, the tournament in a while. I'm just watching it, and I love it. And I don't miss doing it because now I get to see the whole tournament. You know, when I was working it, doing four games with eight teams in one day, and Stacy knows this from going to them. You know, the announcers will be sitting there on the practice day, you know, the walkthrough the, the day before the game's on either Thursday or Friday. And here come these SIDs with their coaches and about you know, what we would know about Oklahoma, right? We would because they're on TV a lot. We probably had done some of their games. But there are six teams from conferences that are never on TV and are never seen. And you got to get all that homework. You know, that's <laughs> one of my boards there. you got to get all that homework done. And it's a it's a daunting task. It is the it is the most difficult broadcasting task that any play by play announcer can go through, both from a uh, mental standpoint to put your your boards together to do the homework and from a physical standpoint to hold on to your voice. Let's say you get a couple of overtime games, you know, and your last game is starting at 1030 Eastern time. You're going to get off the air at about one in the morning. Uh, you, you better pace yourself, you know, to hold on to your vocal cords to get through four games and then turn around the next day and meet with four teams 
four SIDs, four coaches yep. to get ready for the second round because you got two games, which feels like a layup after you've done four. But I would tell you the joy of of seeing these stories of these kids uh, emerge and evolve. And I, Stacy's a great example of that. I got to watch him grow as a player from the time he got to Oklahoma until he made it into the NBA. And ironically, uh, in the 90s, between my stops at ESPN and CBS, I went to Turner and I did the NBA playoffs and I did the Atlanta Hawks uh, for three years and I got to see him again as a pro and with those great teams in Chicago. So it's, it's just an honor and a privilege. And the older I get, I just turned 67, the older I get, the more privileged I feel and thankful and grateful I feel for what I got to do. And I don't miss doing the tournament. As a matter of fact, I think I enjoy watching it more than I enjoyed calling it. And that's saying a lot because I love what I do. People ask me all the time, how do you how do you keep your energy? And I'm like, how, how can you not keep your energy? Yeah. I mean, you're sitting in the best seat in the house watching some of the greatest storylines and most exciting moments in college athletics. I, I It's a recession-proof event. It's the best three weeks of amateur sports you'll find. And I know they get money now. There's NIL in the transfer portal, but it's still it, it still brings the best out of college athletics. You know, there are more good stories than bad. And when you meet these players, and I, I get the honor of doing that, uh, or I got it when I did the, the broadcast for those 18 years, uh, getting to meet those kids and have them tell us their stories and then get to tell it on the air if the opportunity presents itself is is one of the great joys of my my broadcasting career. Yeah, just listen to you talk about, you know, being, you know, doing some pro games and then doing college basketball games for so many years. I know what I I started doing college games for ESPN, doing the Big 12. And the one thing I took away from the college game is, man, there's so much preparation for the college game more so than the pro game. Uh, You've got to know storylines. You've got to know where a kid came from, who his high school coach was, what AAU team he played on. I mean, there's so much you have to learn where the pro game pretty much you know all that stuff beforehand I mean and you know all the offenses that teams run because they all run the same pick and roll offense but in college it could be you know you could be running the Jim Boeheim you know that 2-3 zone you could be running single Mm -hmm. doubles I mean there's so much preparation you have to do at the college game did you find that that being the same way that's easier to do pro games more so than college? Oh yeah yeah and Stacy, that's true in football too Uh, I'm not known for doing NFL football but trust me Spencer Tillman and I did quite a bit of it while we were doing the studio at CBS for the SEC all those years, Uh, your old Sooner running mate. We would do uh, go in on Thursday to Baltimore to see a Ravens game, uh, get together with the coaches, the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, maybe a player or two, uh, when Dilfer and and Saragusa and those guys were playing. Then we'd leave all of our material, our homework, our big football boards, fly to New York on Friday – get ready to do the studio on Saturday afternoon. And then as soon as we got off the air uh, after dinner, Saturday night, we're over to Teterboro hopping in a, uh, you know, a seven seat jet back to Baltimore to do the game on Sunday at noon. And uh, that's, 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 you know, that's a lot. It's not like doing eight uh, teams in four games in one day, but it's a lot. Yeah. And we loved it, but here's the reason why it was easier. The NFL's got 45 guys. 
Now you know how many walk-ons they have at Nebraska and Oklahoma. <laughs> some of them wearing the, some of them wearing the same numbers. Right. You know they got 90, 90, 95 guys out there, and you've got to have a board big enough with all those players so you're not surprised. And if there's a blocked kick, you know the safety on defense may wear the same number as the wide receiver on offense, and you got to like, okay, which one is that? You know that's that's <laughs> yeah. a chore. Yeah. You know to pull that off. So the pro game is always easier because you already know those guys. You've seen them for a long time, uh, and there are fewer of them. And of the 12 guys that dress, nine probably play, you know, uh, in college. Some teams have a seven-man rotation. And then you go see a team like Mike Anderson's always had or Nolan Richardson had at Arkansas. You'll identify with that. Hell, those, those guys play three hard minutes of the 40 minutes of hell. Boom, here comes five new guys in. You know, it's like a bus stop. The, the horn is sounding, you know, every three minutes with John Thompson did the same thing. You know, when he was coaching at Georgetown, you know, here comes Michael Graham in at power forward and uh, Reggie Williams is checking out and four other guys are coming in with him. Uh, it's always been that way. The college game in both basketball and football is uh, much more difficult to prepare for than than either the NFL or the NBA. Tim, you got any stories uh, about uh, the show going off the rails or any broadcasting experiences that were just nothing would go <laughs> yeah. right for you? Anything you share with us? Well, I, I don't know that it was one of those moments that anything can go wrong. We've never, I've never gotten off the rails with uh, the tournament, except uh, you guys may remember uh, a couple of moments that that crossed through my career, uh, broadcasting tournament games. Uh, one in particular happened in Chicago. And I want to say it was maybe 2004 or five. Eddie Fogler was my analyst that year, the former Wake Forest, uh, the, the former uh, Vanderbilt and South Carolina coach. And he had worked for Dean Smith for a number of years, one of his top assistants. And he had a telestrator. And, uh, you know, I was worried and concerned about working with Eddie because. Uh, I had not worked with him before until three weeks before we got to the NCAAs. Great guy. Uh, he had a reputation as being a, a bit difficult to deal with when he was coaching. He was that old school Dean Smith yeah. kind of guy. But uh, but when he got into broadcasting, the job for me was to loosen him up. And I, I did, I think, a nice job of that. He was getting great reviews. Uh, and he was recruiting um, – I'm trying to remember that they were twins and they played at Southern Illinois. And, uh, and you'll remember right away when I tell you Jarvis Hayes Yep. and, and uh, what was his brother's name it was Jarvis. And there was a second Hayes that one is in coaching now. Um, anyway, Eddie didn't get the kids to South Carolina, Georgia got them. And uh, Jim Herrick was coaching at Georgia at that time. And Eddie was giving himself a hard time about not being able to said, I wouldn't be with you, Tim, if I'd gotten these kids, <laughs> you know, the, Hayes, the Hayes brothers, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be with you. So during a commercial break, and this is at the United center during a commercial break, we're taking a picture. We're trying to identify the Hayes twins brother. I mean, excuse me, father. And, uh, so he takes the telestrator and draws a circle around him, uh, to, to tell the director, this is who it is. This is the right guy. And then, Next to the circle, he puts um, – he, he was trying to write uh, uh, that he was me 
M-E, I'm, meaning me, I'm a, he writes A-H-O-L-E, <laughs> and he's talking about himself. Yes. Well, you know, sometimes telestrators don't always come clear. Maybe Stacey knows that story very well. I know that. I know that. <laughs> you know that story? So it looked like, it looked like, to, if you were just looking at it in a break, this didn't go on the air. This was never on television. But I saw what I saw on that telestrator, and it looked like a-hole, it looked like a-hole MF. Okay? Not me, but MF. Not M-E, but MF. And we were in an arena at that time that, as you know, has monitors for all the media to see what's being written. Yep. Fellas, it was ugly. It was so bad, I felt terrible. I went over and, and cleared the telestrator as fast as I could. But it didn't stop uh, the media from finding out. And we were up all night that night. And eventually I had to do a uh, uh, I was interviewed. There was a lawsuit and Eddie Eddie's, you know, short lived career in television ended. I felt horrible about it. I did. That's one of those moments where you've got a novice. He's just having fun at his own expense. And it's completely misunderstood because people that were at the arena and sitting where the press sits saw it and they saw what I saw. And it, it was not, you know, uh, I'm a, it wasn't me. I'm the a-hole. It was right. maybe Mr. Yeah. Mr. Hayes. And it, it was just, it was terrible. It was one of the most embarrassing things to ever happen. And uh, I felt bad for Eddie and, and I felt bad for our crew because we'd had a great day. By the way, Georgia lost that game. Uh, Southern Illinois beat them and Hayes was playing uh, at Georgia at the time. And uh, it, it was just really, I, I think if Georgia had won the game, maybe it had been smoothed over but <laughs> because they lost the game. Uh, and the former South Carolina coach, you know, a rival coach, uh, you know, in their minds did something that was heinous. Uh, it it kind of ruined our day. It was a long, long night after that. And that was the last game we did in the second round of the tournament that year. That one was hard uh, for us. And also, we did an SEC tournament back in 2008. ESPN did a 30 for 30 documentary on it. The tornado, an F2, came through downtown Atlanta, Georgia, in the middle of an overtime game. Well, in the middle of the the end of a a game, right after we had gone to overtime between Mississippi State and Alabama. And we had to do, uh, uh, you know, we had to switch our, our... positions from sportscasting to newscasting. Uh, CNN and Fox News were all covering and using our broadcast to cover this horrific event that was happening right at Olympic Park, right there at CNN, Peachtree Street, right there where the old Georgia Dome was. And that was an experience I will never, ever forget uh, as a broadcaster. We we got through it, but it was a long day and night. And then they moved the tournament to the uh, Alexander Memorial Coliseum where Georgia Tech played and limited the number of fans that could go to the game and uh, any any more of the tournament after those quarterfinal games were over. And Georgia, who won four games during the regular season, came out of nowhere to steal a bid and, and win the SEC that year. Those are wow. a couple of memories that come to mind. When you talk about you, you know, you see these young kids coming up in the ranks, you know, you, you know, you're elder statesmen. We're all getting up there in age and, and a lot of these kids idolize you growing up. And, and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the guys that do what you do, what advice would you give to a, a young and upcoming uh, broadcaster 
that wants to get in this business and and do what you do? Stacy, that's you know, it's a great question, and and I think that um, over the years, my my responses have been forced to change because our industry has changed. Yeah, uh, the the way you come up in the business isn't the same way as as my generation came up in the business. Most of us guys in my age group, um, the, the Sean McDonough's, uh, who's I think just turned 60. He's about five or six years younger than me. Brad Nestler is my age. I think he's a couple of months younger. Um, although I color my hair and he doesn't color his <laughs> makeup, makeup and just for men. Okay. That's how I do it. <laughs> you look good. TB. My wife, my, my wife had a great line. She said, if we paid for those surgeries for you to keep that hair, you're going to color that hair. But that's part of it. You want to stay young. It is a young man's game. I do feel, uh, Stacy, when you get to this point in your career, you've worked at four different networks over five decades. And I think I do see where my finish line might be. And I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a really lucky guy to have worked nine years at ESPN, uh, three at Turner, 18 at CBS, and now finishing my ninth, going into my 10th year at Fox. Um, I feel like I could see the finish line now. I just want to get there the best way I know how. And I think the best way to stay uh, ahead of the curve and to stay young is to help others pour into that next generation. Because I had mentors and leaders, people that gave me uh, some, some wisdom at a very early age. Kurt Gowdy was my hero and, uh, he did the final fours before Dick Enberg did. I met Mr. Gowdy at the 82 final four when he was working with Kaywood Ledford, uh, on Westwood one doing the final four on radio. And he gave me some pearls of wisdom that I, I took with me for the rest of my career. And it really helped me, helped me a lot. Uh, and he was like, Tim, you need to stay here in new Orleans don't take some big job in a bigger market because you want to do play-by-play. Right now, you're getting to do LSU. You're doing Tiger Vision games for LSU. Syndicators that are doing conference games can hire you, uh, and you can freelance for them on weekends. Uh, if you go to a, a local television station uh, in, in larger markets like Louisville, who had offered me a job at that point, th- those news directors are not going to let their sports guys 6 and 10 leave. You need to stay right where you are. And so I did. And uh, ultimately, a station in Baton Rouge hired me away from radio in New Orleans. And they were fine with me doing LSU games. So that was good. And I began to freelance with Raycom, Jefferson Pilot. And uh, just get, wherever a job opportunity presented itself, I took it, said yes to everything. Uh, and then ESPN called in December of 84 at a game between Duke and Virginia. They needed a replacement for Jim Simpson for and I was able to say yes to that. And that was a game changer for me. That vaulted my career. And by late 86, I was moving to Connecticut uh, to do the original college game day, to do all the football and basketball that, that came my way. And so just being patient, staying put, not taking the next big thing. Don't make every uh, decision based on cash alone. You know, that, <laughs> Getting the money now doesn't secure your future later. You got to be thinking about uh, the big picture and what it is you really want to do with your career. And sometimes taking the lesser cash for the greater opportunity is is the best way to go. Um, 
I was helped a little bit by fear because I had a young family at the time and I needed to, I needed to be in a hurry. And by the time I was 29, I had gotten my break at ESPN. By the time I was 30, I was living in Connecticut and my national television career was, uh, was ongoing. I have these conversations, Stacy, all the time uh, with young guys, and I'm glad they feel like they can approach me. Uh, your partner uh, on Bulls games did exactly that. You know, after I met Adam Amin, uh, I knew right away he was a strong talent. I'll tell you how I met him. I was doing the Division II National Championship with Dan Bonner, which would be this weekend, the weekend of the Sweet 16. Okay. You'll always see the title game early on Sunday uh, on CBS before the regionals, the, the regional finals are on on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, he was doing the Elite Eight games, the opening round, the, the quarterfinals, and then uh, the semifinals. I was going to do the national championship with Dan uh, on that, I think, Saturday or Sunday afternoon. But when I got to uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, here's this little guy, uh, very young. He was right out of Valparaiso. Yep. And Dan Dan comes over to me and says, Tim, put these on the spare headsets. He says, put these headsets on. Listen to this kid. He's, he's really good. Got a powerful voice. So I did. I put up, I put the cans on. And we met shortly after that. And he had, you know, all kinds of questions. Uh, he was like me when I was meeting with Kurt Gowdy, you know, back in 1982. Yep. I was asking the same questions of him that he was asking of me. And uh, he called me again about two or three years uh, after he got his career started at ESPN. And he had some questions because he felt like he was getting to a point where he wasn't progressing the way he wanted to. Had a good job, was grateful for the job. And uh, the assignments were good, but they weren't the substantial assignments that he felt he was ready for. And uh, he ran some ideas by me. And I said, you're on the right track with this. And then I said, uh, you might want to consider the possibility of getting with a team in a town you love uh, that you can identify with. And that could be where you ground yourself and say, this is home. This is, this is where I start from. And then you, be, you, you make yourself available for national work and you're more appealing to that network. If you are already uh, in the business hired by a professional sports team or regional network. And that's exactly what happened. He got to Chicago and within what, uh, I guess, 18 to 24 months, uh, he's being hired by Fox and he's doing NFL games and major league baseball, as well as a lot of, uh, of college basketball, whatever they can fit it in with you guys schedule with the bulls. So Adam is a great example of one of those young guys that at some point uh, crossed paths with me and, and sort of cared what I thought and, and would listen to what I thought. We had uh, Dave Revson of the Big Ten Network on a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling a good story about when he was brought to Bristol to be part of the startup of ESPN News. He was called into an all-staff meeting, and he's looking around, and he sees Berman and, and uh, Dan Patrick and all these guys. You were in there at a young at a younger time in the history of the network. You mentioned 86. Right. But, you know, you got Berman and Tom Meese and some of the originals over there. What was that like for you to, to be uh, doing shows and then walking around the halls of the campus and, and seeing guys that you probably looked up to when the when the network first launched? Well, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring up a couple of names that um, that just matter tremendously to me uh, here. And I'm, I might get a little emotional when I'm talking about uh, John Saunders. But John Saunders was uh, my closest friend uh, in the business until I met Spencer Tillman uh, 
who sort of replaced John in my life as um, not just a not just a colleague, not just a um, colleague, but a confidant, somebody that I could share really anything with. John was coming from WMAR in Baltimore, and I was coming from WAFB in Baton Rouge. We we showed up uh, one week apart. He got there, I think, a week before I did. And we were two new guys that were coming in when uh, a couple of uh, veterans had left. Greg Gumble was one of those guys, uh, sh- speaking of Chicago. Uh, Greg uh, was going to MSG to work in the city, which at that time was actually paying more money than, than ESPN was. Uh, ESPN had just been sold to Cap Cities from Getty Oil. And I, I still say that even though they started in 79, the success of, of ESPN that's overlooked happened in the 80s with college basketball doing the people forget we had the first two rounds of yeah. the ncaa tournament yeah. network television wasn't carrying uh the first two rounds of the tournament they just carried uh one, you know the games on saturdays and sundays and then the final four but weeknight games those thursday friday games even the regional semifinals they were unless it was a west coast game after prime time they weren't going to carry games on network tv at that time it changed uh, around 1990 or 91. But when when I walked into the studio, and you can appreciate this, I'm sure now, Stacy, because you're in the business, imagine stalwarts that were there at the very beginning, like Mies, Lee, and, uh, and Boomer and Berman. They, like any sportscaster, they wanted to do more than just SportsCenter. You know, Berman wanted to call games in the booth. Tom Mies was a big hockey guy. He was dying to call hockey. He grew up in Delaware. Uh, Bob Lee was getting to host some basketball with Dickie V at that time and Bill Raftery uh, in the uh, early 80s. But he, he wasn't getting – nobody was getting to leave Bristol to do anything. And in my contract, I had a guaranteed number of events, both in football and basketball, that I would get to do, uh, along with my sports center duties. And they, they had never done a contract like that. So I immediately felt, well, I hope these guys like me. They're probably pissed. <laughs> you know, I got a deal. You know, the, so I felt, uh, and so did John. John felt the same way. Getting their affirmation, those guys that were the originals, meant a great deal to us. Uh, so we were doing our best to be good teammates. You know, we weren't going to try to compete with anybody. We just wanted to be good teammates felt like a role player going into a new organization in the NBA. You know what I mean, Stace? Yeah. That kind of feeling is, is you know, you may be the 10th, 11th, or 12th guy on the roster, but you got a contract, and it's better than a 10-day deal. You're going to hang. So yeah. you want to make the most of it. And they were so welcoming to us, to John and myself. And uh, it was just a great time. I, I think that um, the most exciting times of my career – even though I had much more uh, much more visibility at CBS in the 18 years that I had there, the most exciting time was clearly those days in Bristol when we were just starting college game day. Uh, I was getting to do games, uh, big-time NCAA games during the regular season, Big East games with RAF, uh, ACC games, the ACC tournament with Dickie V. I worked uh, all the way through the semifinals with him and then – Al McGuire and Dick Inberg would come in to do the championship on NBC. Uh, I had two double overtime games with, with Valvano on his last run in 87 to the tournament. 
Uh, he went to overtime to beat Muggsy Bogues and Wake, and then he beat North Carolina uh, after that to, to go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, it was almost like what happened in 83. They were a bubble team, and they got through. He had, uh, he had uh, Charles Shackelford on that team, That's the original Shaq. Shaq. Remember that? Yeah. Shaq was the guy that was asked in the post-game <laughs> about, yeah, he was asked, boy, Shaq, uh, you had that left-hand jump hook going just like the right hand. He says, well, you know, Coach V calls me amphibious. Yeah, amphibious. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, I remember that. I'll never, forget, I'll never forget looking over at Valvano after he said that, and Jim did this. Literally, he did this. <laughs> <laughs> that followed him throughout his career. Uh, it followed he was, really he was teammates with me in Minnesota, and I always tease him. Are you still amphibious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, – to be with those guys and to do things we like the Boston Marathon. We did the Boston Marathon. I was at the starting line broadcast. I never thought I'd be broadcasting yeah. the Boston Marathon. And we did crazy stuff like uh, PKA karate. I did top rank, low rank boxing with Al Bernstein. I, I did so many different sports. I did 25 different sports in the nine wow. years I was at ESPN. Fellas, I didn't even know 25 sports existed <laughs> until I got there, you know? And so that, that versatility for me and the opportunity to do all those different things was just fantastic. And the teamwork and the um, – I think the book that James Andrew Miller wrote, uh, these guys have all the fun about ESPN at that time. They don't spend as much time on the 80s, in, in my opinion, as they should. And, and uh, he's a whale of an author. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. But but to his credit, he's done deep dives on the origination of, of College Game Day uh, on his podcast that I was a part of. He got it right. I mean, he really did. The best time to work there was in those startup days between really uh, 1979 and 1990. And if you were part of that, and John Saunders and I were sort of the second wave yeah. of Sports Center guys that came in, and Steve Bornstein, who was in charge at that time, who had the vision for the network and the vision for College Game Day and NFL Game Day, had his guys that he thought were just the right people to start these these different shows, these uh, studio shows to help promote the game. College coaches in both football and basketball just felt like ESPN was a saving grace to promote the sport, and so. When we knew that they thought we were the goods, then we knew we were doing something special, you know, yeah. and and changing the paradigm of sports viewing. Uh, network executives who had looked down their noses at this little cable that could in Bristol, Connecticut, were suddenly doing some of the things that we were doing. They yeah. were copying us. Yes. And we could see that. We could see that. And, um, you know, the further away I get from that period, the more I, I feel so fortunate to have been there at that particular time because nothing that came my way after that was was something that I would not be prepared for. I'd been sort of, you know, they threw us on a wall and they, they were going to see who stuck and who didn't, <laughs> you know. Right. And uh, those of us that were able to hang uh, went on to have, uh, you know, really good careers. And, and some of us did leave to go have better careers. Uh, but many of them stayed. And, of course, I never thought that they would become the, you know, the 1,200-pound gorilla of our industry. I'd say uh, Fox is clearly 
a competitor, uh, a strong competitor. But I don't know that, you know, ABC Sports is gone. NBC Sports doesn't do as much beyond the Olympics and, and golf. Uh, and CBS Sports is, and I love being there. Trust me, it made my career. It was sort of the cherry on top in a lot of ways. But they don't own the rights to nearly as many uh, events as does Fox. So ESPN is still by far and away the, the number one volume dealer of sports in our country. Uh, and there's no denying that. And the work that those people did uh, back in those days is um, the reason why the foundation was put in play. And I, I, you know, I'm forever grateful for those nine years and that I, I was able to get what Kurt Gowdy thought I should get if I stayed uh, hungry and humble and in radio for a few extra years in Louisiana. Talk a little bit about the, let's talk college football now, because like my Sooners are getting ready to go into the SEC, which I believe is a huge mistake. Um, I I believe that they stayed in the big 12, their chances of getting to the national championship game is so much better. Uh, And now you're going to SEC against Alabama, LSU, you know, Georgia, Florida, your chances, you know, go down a little bit. Uh, You got UCLA, USC coming to the big 10. Everybody is just like relocating and shifting. Talk a little bit about what you think about how, where it's going. Do you see it? CS going in more of a 16 team type of playoff, like division, division one, uh, a, or, yeah. or do you see that? Or do you see them staying at the way they are right now? I, I think we could very easily go to 16 in the second year of the playoff. Like we'll do 12, you know, in 2025, you know, the contract actually runs through 26, but they're starting this, this, this 12, team playoff not this year but next okay yeah so in 24 we'll go to 12 the 25 season which would be the year that you start the new contract okay when you start the new contract i think at that point we'll have more than one network involved uh if it happens to be fox all the better but it could be you know any other network whoever wants to get involved but i do think we'll have two networks minimum involved in the new contract so my thoughts are, after they try it with 12, Stacy, they're going to look at the uh, the numbers financially and say, why do we have the best four teams sitting and getting a bye the first week when they could be playing a home game against the 13th seed or the 14th seed or the 15th seed or the 16th? Why are we having yeah. them have an open date? Let's. How much more money do we make? We're not extending it by the calendar any. We're just saying, let's play more games. Let's have more uh, volume here. Okay. Uh, I think they'll do that after one year. When they see how successful 12 is, they're going to see even more money. And you know how the presidents are. When it comes to athletics, you know, they scrutinize everything until you say, yeah, but here's how much more money you're going to make if you let four more teams play. Yeah. And I think they'll do that. I think they will go to 16. By the time the new contract is done, the first year, ESPN still has the rights. They're doing it a year early. They, uh, the presidents really and the conference commissioners decided to do that. Uh, what conference you're in, in my opinion, is not as important once we go to 12 or beyond because they're putting in the contract that we're going to get teams that are outside the so-called power five. Okay. The best teams that are from the league's, that you think of as group of, and I think we need to get rid of these titles. 
I, I, I'm like Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Conference. We need to stop categorizing P5, group of five. It's demeaning. And in some cases, there are teams like, for instance, Cincinnati, okay, uh, a couple of years ago, they were better than a lot of teams in the Big 12 and the, and the, uh, and the ACC. They were. Uh, so why are we putting a label on them that they should feel fortunate that they're in this thing? That's garbage. We should just call it Division One college football. And, and then we'll see, yeah, multiple teams probably out of the SEC and Big Ten, maybe multiple teams out of the Big 12. But you're going to get teams out of the American Conference, or if the best team that's not in the so-called Power Five happens to be in the uh, Sun Belt, go get you some. You know, a team like Coastal Carolina that's really good and deserves to be there, you know, go ahead. Have your, have your day in the sun. And we will see some moments when we go to 12 or 16 that will rival, won't be exactly like, but it will rival what we see in college basketball. And that will energize the enthusiasm of the fan bases all around the globe, all around the country. And that's what we need for college football is to have a two or three week period where college football is, is on the front page. You know, they've allowed the NFL to add playoff game after playoff round and, and steal late December and January 1st from college football. We need to reclaim Okay, January 1st, make that day the big day. You know, the Rose Bowl has already said, okay, we don't have to have that usual time we always get on New Year's Day. So you're beginning to see the the seeds of success, future success for college football's postseason. As for the the move to the SEC, Stacey, that's a money grab. That's all that is. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas saw an opportunity to make more money than they would make in the Big 12, and that's why they did what they did. I'm with you competitively they would be in a much better position if they had stayed uh, in the big 12. I don't think either one of them right now are ready uh, for the sec, no matter how they configure the schedules, which I know is on an ongoing process, but um, you know, that started this thing, you know, and now you see UCLA and, and uh, USC coming to the big 10, lots of movement is out there. A lot will hinge on what the PAC 12 is actually able to accomplish with its TV deal. I don't know how they're going to get to the same level as the Big 12 without a linear network, without either Fox or ESPN being part of that deal. If all they're going to do is streaming with either Apple TV or or Amazon, they may get money, but they're not going to have eyeballs. you got to have people watching these games. And if you saw the numbers on Thursday night NFL, yeah, it made the NFL a lot of money, but they got about half the audience maybe not even half of the audience that, that Fox and CBS had when they had those Thursday games. So, you know, the streaming world is growing. It's going to be a part, obviously, of broadcasting in the future. Uh, but it doesn't have, right now, the same number of eyeballs that over-the-air network television does. Well, we're certainly enjoying March Madness going on now with the NCAA basketball tournament and exciting times ahead in college football. And glad to hear that uh, Tim Brando is still going to be behind the mic calling some games for Fox Sports and planning on, on working for a number of years. Tim, thank you so much for being generous with your time this afternoon. We really enjoyed the conversation and, and reflecting on your wonderful career in broadcasting that is still going strong. Well, thanks, fellas. As long, Hey, Stacy, 
as long as the phone rings, right? Yep. As as yep. phone... <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, uh, just please tell me the phone is still ringing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, listen, yeah. I mean, it, it is so great to see you. Fellas, just to tell a little story on Stacy before I leave. Okay. He was one of those guys when he played in college, would always come over to the announcers and say, Hey fellas, how you doing? Good to see you. Yeah. He knew he knew where the bread was buttered. <laughs> That's right. He was gonna get gonna get some love from the playback. Play yes, guy sir. <laughs> you know, I was playing it back then. I'm still doing it now. There you go. Hey, we're gonna say Tim. Tim, make sure you yeah. tell my boy Spencer I said what's up, and then uh, we're gonna send you I some will. hot sauce. You like hot sauce? Oh, I love hot sauce. Yes. Are you kidding me? Yes, we're going to send you Absolutely. some uh, four bottles of our signature hot sauce. And uh, our producer, Maddie, uh, she'll get your address and we'll send it out there to you. Great having you. You know, a little blood thinner is always good. Hot sauce <laughs> <laughs> a good thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tim Brando, our guest on Gimme the Hot Sauce. Welcome back. Episode 123 of Gimme the Hot Sauce. Our thanks to Tim Brando for joining us and sharing some great stories. And now we want to check on uh, how people are doing in our Run Your Pool contest. I think most brackets have blown up, Stacey. Uh, I know mine has. I had I had Kansas. I had, uh, who else did I have that it's lost? Virginia. Yeah, I had two number ones lost. Virginia. Or, yeah, people had Virginia. They had, oh man, this is terrible. Oh Lord. Oh, I Duke. I Duke lost. I Duke, and, oh man. Yeah, kind of a you know a minefield. So some people are starting all over again with Sweet Sixteen. So we thought we'd we'd try to look at who's left and who do you like the, the teams that are left. Well, 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 well. Houston, I, Houston may be tough now. I mean, it looks like Sasser can play as long as my boy Sasser yeah. is uh, is healthy. They got a shot. Yeah. They, their guard play is phenomenal. They press the ball. They they're tough. I like the style um, Calvin Sampson. Yeah, plays too. yeah, yeah. They they. I mean, you know what? It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough because Xavier is no joke. They yeah, play Xavier. Xavier true. Xavier is scrappy. Um, and that's Sean Miller, the coach. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It's cheater. <laughs> Sean Miller's a cheater, man. How do you get a coach to job, cheater? Okay, there. Look at that right there. Stacy Sweet Sixteen. Oh, you got a name up on the board. Okay, so we got Alabama and uh, San Diego State. Okay, East FAU Tennessee. I got Tennessee winning that one. Houston winning Miami. Yeah, the East is really watered down. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, no. The the wet the South is watered down. Look 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 what Alabama's got to play. Yeah. The, the toughest team, though, San Diego State is not going to be easy, and Creighton's not going to be easy. But that they should come out. They of the should, South. yeah. But you look at the look at the East. You got Tennessee, Michigan State. Um, yeah, but who's the favorite in that group? Kansas State. I would, I would probably say, I would probably say Michigan State. I think really? Michigan State's going to yeah. beat Kansas State because they're just much more physical. Uh, you got Houston, Miami. That's going to be a good game. Texas and Xavier. That Midwest is a tough bracket. Mm-hmm. And then Arkansas, the Arkansas region with UConn is tough. UCLA and Gonzaga. That might be the hardest bracket right there. Yeah, I think so. You, UConn, UConn is no joke. I mean, in Arkansas is the AC, but they really should be higher than the AC. They're they're a much better team than the AC. Um, that's going to be interesting in that game. I got Arkansas winning that one, and I got UCLA coming beating Gonzaga, which is going to be a good game. Um, and then we go to the uh, there we go right there. See, so, oh, baby, Alabama and Creighton. I got Alabama. I got Michigan State beating Tennessee in the East. I got Houston beating Xavier in the Midwest, and I got UCLA. And as much as I hate going against Arkansas because my mom was from Arkansas. I had to because UCLA is an experienced team. They got mm-hmm. they got you know that that the big kid uh, I don't know, Hernandez or whatever his name is Hawkins Hawkins yeah Hawkins yeah. he's nice yeah. he's nice and the little guard the little guards they got are, are experienced uh, guards they went deep last year 
Yeah, Tiger Campbell. Be, Tiger Campbell. Little Tiger. Yeah. Little Tiger yeah. with the afro. Yeah, I like him. And then you see the Southeast. You got, there's your final, that's my final forward right there. Alabama, Michigan State, UCLA, Houston. I'm really, I was really torn with Houston and UCLA because I still, I like UCLA. But I, Sasser, I know, I know Sasser's uncle. Um, He's a good friend of mine, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm pulling for Houston to win that game, but that's just off of friendship. Uh, but I don't think they're going to win. <laughs> Alabama and Houston, Alabama. I think Alabama is just too too much. You know that, that kid, that kid, uh, what's his name? Miller, Brandon Miller. Yeah, yeah he was going to be. He's going to be. He's he was be slowed a, by a groin injury. He didn't, he didn't score be, in the first game. He's going to be the yeah. top three pick. Yeah, some say he might go beyond uh, behind. Uh, the big kid from France. So yeah, he might have passed uh, up Scoot. Yeah, he might have. Yeah, yeah, but I still like Scoot too. Don't sleep on Scoot. Scoot, Scoot. Our big tournament that's going on is the World Baseball Classic. We're, oh, we're taping yes. on Tuesday the championship game later today. The United States against Japan down in Miami. Oh. That's going to be something. Japan had to rally. They got a double in the uh, ninth, bottom of the ninth to, to eliminate Mexico last night. I'll tell you what is uh, Otani pitching. And he might pitch in relief, <laughs> but he's not starting. But he, uh, he'll be hitting, he'll yeah, be that's hitting. for sure. Yeah. Ooh, man. All right. A heck of a game. That's, that's going to be a heck of a game. I, I think I think the USA, where's that played? Miami? Miami, yeah. Okay, it's a home game. It's a home game for the USA. We're going to have our crowd there. Um, I tell you what, man, that's that's going to be a good game. It's not going to be easy for the USA. I wonder who's going to be pitching for the USA. Who, who they got to start pitching? Merrill Kelly. Uh, I think he's with the Diamondbacks. So they, they don't have him. Th- th- <laughs> is oh, he no. related to you, Oh, Tim? God, we lost no. it. Get him out of here. We already lost. <laughs> We're never going to win. We got a Kelly pitch. Well, you know, they didn't really have a lot of big-name pitchers on the U.S. squad. No. Lance Lynn of the White Sox did a nice job in his start. But they got they got a hitter. They got hitters though. Yeah, they the lineup hitters, is the, the lineup is yeah. there's no easy out. I mean, you got guys that are batting at the the end of the order that really are like top two, three batters, you know. So But Japan's won the WBC twice. The United States, of course, is the defending champion. It's gonna be a heck of a game. The crowd's gonna be going wild because yes. the atmosphere at those games is unbelievable. It is. It's like it's almost like a college game. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, the I am telling you, they they're, they're more exciting than the, you know, than the all-star games. That's mm-hmm. what they that's what the NBA should do. The NBA should have like a world game. Like, you know, you you know, the United States versus, you know, you know, you can go Spain. You can go just have a just make that be a, a, a for two weeks. Yeah. Have that kind of tournament. That'd be pretty cool. And one of the things that people were concerned about, though, were, were the injuries. Um, you know, Jose Altuve took a pitch off his thumb, broken thumb. He's out eight to ten weeks. And then Edwin Diaz, the closer of the New York Mets, in the postgame celebration after a victory, tore his patellar tendon, and he's uh, out for the year. You know what, Mark? As I said before, you can get hurt going to the bathroom. Well, I don't know about walking that. down the stairs. <laughs> oh no, Mark! No, Mark! You can get hurt going to the bathroom. Seriously. Like when I wake up in the morning, I, I want to take an Uber to the bathroom. My body hurts so bad. I got in last night, America, at like 1.30 in the morning. Uh, I had to turn around and get it. No one else hear my problems, but I'm going to tell you anyway. You're going to listen, America. <laughs> got in at 1.30 last night after a huge win in Philadelphia. Go Bulls. Got up 1.30. Got in at 1.30. Got up this morning at 7. Running errands, feeding dogs, taking dogs for walks, just doing it all. All right? And I'm here. I'm here taping the show. I really should be in the bed sleeping, but I'm not. I'm here with the Sriracha crew. I'm here with my boys. And, uh, yeah, I'm here. Hey, I hear your uh, Goose Island burgers selling off the shelves. 
Oh, baby, if you haven't tried my barbecue burger with my hot sauce infused meat and sauce, you definitely. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at me. Oh, that's me right there, America. <laughs> America, that's the burger right there with the fries. And you got the, uh, see, the burger is is a steak burger. It's not a it's not a ground, yeah. you know, ground beef. It's a steak burger. And it's got the hot sauce mixed into infused, the burger. So it's yeah. infused. Okay, right. we use the big words here, Mark. Infused. So then, now you got the, the mozzarella cheese, you got the mushrooms, and then you got the fried, the little Man, fried. I'm getting hungry. Those little fried yeah, those uh, onion good. ring things. Yeah. See, there it is right there. That's yeah. the picture. But the pictures doesn't do it justice. You got to see it in person. Uh, I, that's the first time I went to Goose Island. I went to the one on Clybourne. That's the first time I've been there. Really nice place. And shout out to Chef Henry. That's oh, Chef nice. Henry right there. He's the he's the guy who made the made the burger. Uh, he's the guy that came up with the uh, aioli. Uh, see that green sauce right there? Mm-hmm. That has the uh, salsa verde mixed into a, like a cream based things to dip Very your nice. fries in. Yeah. And yeah. shout out to Goose Island. Um, you know, they they I had I had a bunch of guests over there. And they set it out for us. They brought us all these hors d'oeuvres and all these, you know, everything they had on their snack sheet. We got to taste everything. Uh, by the time I got my burger, I was I was full. Okay, I didn't really get a chance to eat, all, but I ate it all because I, you know, I wanted I wanted Henry to know that I liked the burger. But it was it was awesome. It was awesome. And all the people that I brought with me, I had some people from out of town. Um, you know, they were from Phoenix, and uh, they, yeah, they were here last week. Yeah, they were here last week. Uh, little Kyron and, and his mom. Courtney uh, Evans, they went over with me, and then my driver wasn't Mike because Mike Mike was uh, Mike was taking care of some business. So I uh, shout out to my man Maurice Mo. He came with us, and he you know instead of him waiting in the car, I told him to come on out there and uh, try the burger, and he mm-hmm. ate the burger and he loved it. So it's it's a great burger. Try it out. I, I think they sold over three hundred. Nice. Yeah, they ran burgers. out of sauce. They ran out of sauce. Supposed to be getting more. Gotta today. get him some more. Yeah. Yeah. Free come on, Tim. Sauce with the burger. Yeah. Come on, sauce packer. <laughs> Back that sauce. Tim, tell the folks how they can get a bottle of Come sauce. on, Tim, say it. Oh. Well, okay. You can even do it as Christopher Walken. Everybody loves that. Maybe I won't. Oh, you don't have to. <laughs> oh, he's pouting. He's pouting, America. Pouting. He's pouting. He's pouting. <laughs> I'm kind of upset maybe that I, they ran out of I sauce. Won't. I mean, but it is, uh, they're, they're producing literally tens of thousands of bottles right now because it's about to go finally into Jewel. Yes, we're getting ready to get it in Jewel, baby. Yeah, as a permanent shelf item now. Permanent? Yes. Oh, That's how much da, they enjoyed da, it da, in the da. taste test. Yes. Breaking news. It'll be on the shelf uh, permanent, in the specialty sauce. Permanent specialty sauce yeah. in Jewel. So if you're looking to score the hottest sauce in the game, just score. head over to Jewel in about two weeks or less. Wow. Yeah. That'll just That's breaking news, America. That's right. See, it was just going to be a novelty. Now it's going to be permanent. We gonna, you're going to see my little face on there permanently in aisle seven. Yeah, we start things like podcasts and sauces thinking there it's going to be funny. And then it's not funny anymore. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> now we're business. We're, business we're entrepreneurs, run, huh? baby. Oh, we're great. entrepreneurs, baby. <laughs> but if you can't wait for Jewel, just go to gimmethehotsauce.com and use code KING21. Get 21% off your first order. Give Load me up. hot sauce. <laughs> Get over as soon as you can because if you don't I will find you and I will break you (laughs) it's brood and darkness this has been Bane I am now taking over the show (laughs) come on Tim I was waiting for Tim Christopher Walker we're going to have a fight today Oh, we should have done that. We were going to have a fight You're today, You're supposed to call me out for the fight. We told you to come. We said, get Christian <laughs> yeah. walking, and I was going to jump in. You got to call me out. You got to say, this is Bane. I'm going to kill you, you creepy freak. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. He missed the call, man. Oh, yeah. no. Sorry, You're... America. That was going to be a oh, battle man. between Bane and Christopher Walken today, but Christopher Walken, he didn't show up. Well, 
want to see Bane. I've been waiting for Christopher Walken for quite some time. I'm sick I, of your act. I am going to break you in half, you little twerp. Don't forget, I'm the king of this town. I'm going to put some of that sauce in your eyes and your mask. You can't breathe anymore. And I'm going to pack you with your own sauce. (laughs) And I'll pack you really good. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. That sounded creepy. Yeah, that was pretty creepy. Uh, We got women and children here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, kids. Oh, Lord. What? What what, what movie was Bane in last? (laughs) Jesus. He was in Debbie the Dallas. (laughs) What? Bane does Dallas. The show is completely off the rails. Ask Tim Brando about a broadcast going off the rails. This is a podcast going off the rails. Oh, my goodness. Before we get out of here, I got a chance to bump into Stacy's driver, his good buddy Mike out front. He's doing well. Mike. Yeah. Tell the folks how they can get their limousine service. Oh, man. Shout out to my boy, Mike. You know, I mean, you know, Mike just got a haircut. Uh, He's got he had a mullet. And he decided to trim it down. And uh, shout out to Mike. He's got more. He's getting more action now that he's got his hair cut short. You know, he's got, you know, he's going to a Bruce Springsteen concert in Ireland. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm thinking about going with him. It depends on what time he goes. Um, I might be the only black guy there. But hey, you know what? I'm just, I want to go. I want to go, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to risk it. Risk it for the biscuit, baby. Oh, Windy City Limousine provides championship service. <laughs> Making reservations is so easy. It's a slam dunk. Let Windy City break the full corporate pressure of traffic and get you to your destination in style and on time. Contact us at 847-916-9300. That's 847-916-9300. Are you snoring on yourself? Yeah, I feel I know. Seriously, <laughs> I really did fall asleep. I'm like yeah. narcolepsy over here. You know, I was like, yes, I'm because I'm so tired right now. I'm on fumes. I couldn't find yeah, my last five-hour energy. On very little sleep. Very. And then he's got to head back out to the West Coast. The Bulls uh, are going to play Portland and the two L.A. teams. Yes, this yeah. is the reason why, America, we're shooting the podcast on a Tuesday because I'm not going to be here on a Thursday. So we want to make sure Portland, you, we yeah. were going to Portland. We got Portland. We got the Lakers. Hopefully LeBron James is back for, for one of well, those games. Or maybe not. Well, maybe not. <laughs> hey, that kid Austin Reeves was in the former Sooner. Thirty-five points. The other yeah, day. yeah. You know, I, I forgot to tell you guys. You know, I, I went to Princeton, so we're in the Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> yeah, go Tigers. I yeah. saw the video. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I, I didn't send you guys a picture, but we didn't get a chance to send it. But I, I, I'm on the Princeton magazine. I just want to throw that out there too yeah. to all my people. But you know, you guys are you all guys are haters. You're all haters. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sriracha crew. I'm just gonna give you this picture real quick. I want to see if you can get it on there in time. In the meantime, you can mention something about Willis Reed. Oh, oh, yeah. Before yes. we got oh, it, we found during yeah. the broadcast, we found out that the NBA Hall of Famer Willis Reed passed away. He was a fantastic player for the New York Knicks. And of course, he's involved as a coach and, and an athletic director in the college scene. Uh, just, just. Just a wonderful guy, and we're so sad we pass along condolences, of course, to his family and many friends around the league. Well, I tell you what, he was he, he was a great man. He recruited me when he was a coach at Creighton, mm-hmm. and uh, you know tried to get me to come play for the Blue Jays, and uh, he almost had me till he mentioned the word Creighton, and then I was like, <laughs> Nah, I'm, did he even do it? He got a team? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. But they had Benoit Benjamin. He coached Benoit Benjamin, who ended up playing for the Clippers as uh, a big man, but uh, really, really great. I remember him coming to my house and and uh, just barely could get through the door. Like, I mean, he was just a big guy. And um, back in those days when, you know, um, your parents, your mom had plastic on the furniture, 
And he, he sat on the, on the couch with the plastic on the furniture, man. And almost all the plastic came off. Almost like just pulled <laughs> off from the scene. He was a big dude. Yeah. But uh, RIP to uh, the great Willis Reed. Yeah. People remember the classic uh, story in 1970 finals where he had a serious leg injury. He came off and played the first couple of minutes and, and hit a couple of jumpers as they won their first championship. He led them yeah. to titles in 1970 and 1973. You guys have that photo? I just want to say, Princeton, we're going to win this, guys. There he is. Princeton, Stacey, look, the proud look, alumni. Look, guys, of, uh, look, look, at, look at that suit and tie uh i just i just look at that i just got my master of the year I got, right. I got my man i got my masters in that picture right there yeah. so i just want to throw that out there let's go tigers sweet do, 16, it for, do, it for, do it for pc Pete Carrill. we're gonna win we're gonna win this if we don't i'm jumping whoever beats you okay <laughs> so if you lose whoever beats them i'm jumping on that squad i'll be the man of the year on their photo so there you can always tell a princeton man just can't tell him much wow wow this come from a northwestern guy did y'all yeah. That's what we say about all those Ivy League guys. How far did you get in the tournament? <laughs> they made a nice run. Hey, we won nope, and almost won that UCLA second game. That was, they gave them a scare. Did you didn't win, though? It's still a scare. Are you, are you playing this weekend? No. Okay. America, just I just, like whispers. America, I just want to say that when I was in it's college, you I played. Oh, let me tell you something. When I was in college, America, <laughs> all jokes aside, I never did. I, I, I constantly got to the second week. Sweet yeah. 16 was automatic. We didn't even have to play the first two games. We already we already going to be in the Sweet 16, okay? I've been to the Elite Eight. I've been to the Final Four. I've been to the championship game. I've done it all. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, I've done it all, baby. Works on YouTube, being treated, treated to a Stacy King dance. That's right, baby. Shut studios. it down! Shut it down! Shut it down! Come pull out your patella. Come on, man! Come on, man! I'm sitting down. How the hell can I blow? Hey, you can get her going to the bathroom. That's right. Yeah, that's right, Mark. Yeah, you get her going to the bathroom, yeah. baby. Hey, that's going to close to episode 123 of Give Me the Hot Sauce. I want to thank our special guest, Tim Brando. We got some special guests coming up in the future. Ooh. I, I don't want to drop any names. I'm not dropping make sure, any names. Make sure that you uh, listen each and every week. Make sure to like uh. and subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast carrier. I want to thank the folks at Odyssey for promoting us. I may and, drop his name, though, Mark. Okay. If you like Chippendale dancers, <laughs> you like Hooter Girls, they're coming. <laughs> All right. Well, that cleared things up. <laughs> Stacy, say goodbye to the folks. Drive home safely, Chicago. Beep, beep. Princeton, be out of the